wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, a Sons of Saturday podcast. My name is Pete, and you guys know my co-host, Robbie. It is May 2nd. We're recording in the evening. We made it to May. We're done with spring football, but we still got a lot of football news and notes coming up. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing pretty pretty well. I'm ready for this weather to warm up and really um, start to to shed winter for good so we can uh, you know get up into the the 70s and start really enjoying. It's been cold here, but I am I'm doing well. Yeah, dude, and I'm I'm seeing you and hopefully uh we got some video going, so this should hit YouTube at some point, and uh, people will be able to stream us and actually see where we're sitting. Not that it's super exciting, but I did kind of – I dressed up my background a little bit. I got a hokey bird. I got the the lunch pail behind me. Uh, and, of course, you can actually see the beer that we're having tonight as yeah. well, which is cool. Yeah, me too, which is yeah, it's, yeah, wonderful. <laughs> There's some nice blinds you got. They look yeah, expensive. Yeah, beautiful blinds. You can see out into the darkness. So, um, yeah. It's, Why don't you give uh, us a cheers, buddy? Um, I will give us a cheers to – oh, I don't know. This is a tough one. How about just um, – attrition uh and starting to finalize and and figure out what this Hokies team is going to look like for us uh moving forward and I mean that in a good way in a bad way you know the roster is going to continue to solidify itself over the coming months but um part of that we talked about the scholarships and where we were going to have to get to so I wish everybody the best wherever they head to or um get told they should probably move along to as well but uh it's um you know it's the springtime then that's time for a little bit change cheers buddy yeah we don't have so many news and notes a lot of it is going to revolve around the attrition but i wanted to start off with the most fun news, which was about the NFL draft and the fact that Chamari Connor got taken in the fourth round, 119th overall, which to me, it was sooner than I was expecting based on some of the pre-draft stuff I was looking at. And not only did he get taken, but he got taken by the defending champs, much to my dismay <laughs> being an Eagles fan, but he's on the Chiefs. So congrats to Chamari. But were you expecting him to go that high? No, I I don't I did not look at what he was anticipated to go into, but my guess would have been like sixth round. So, and yeah. I know that's towards the end of the draft. I was thinking anyway, six or so, seven. Yeah, so um, I know that's a 
that's a huge guess for me, like almost at the back end. But I would have expected probably six. I think five would have even been kind of interesting. And to see him go fourth round is obviously it's awesome. Uh, so very excited for him. Yeah. And when you're a fourth rounder, the likelihood of you staying on the team is so much higher. Just that investment there instead of fifth, sixth, or seventh, to me, is it's a big difference for him. So he should be in a Chiefs uniform for a couple years, um, barring a trade or anything like that. But I think he's a player that could excel in the NFL more so than college just because of how he was moved around a bit, the, the coaching staff changes and whatnot. Yeah. I think he could have a better NFL career than even college career. And he, and he was a good player for us. He might actually benefit from what he got in college, given some of the versatility he had to develop um, from all that and the different styles. But then once you get to the elite level, it is better to have it a little bit more focused, a bit more, um, you know, kind of pigeonholed for lack of a better phrase into like where you should be and getting that same instruction um, is, is always beneficial for those guys. So uh, yeah, we'll see. We did have a couple other gentlemen like Silas pick up a UDFA deals. Dax is going to get a tryout. I, I saw a couple others, but there was nothing, nothing too major. We know that the talent level was a little low and you'll even see uh, ODU tweeting out there today. They, they had the best path to the NFL in Virginia because they had three guys drafted from ODU and it was more than any other Virginia school. Okay. Yeah. Just last <laughs> year we had four drafted the year before that we had four drafted two of which were in the first round. Yeah. Not so long ago, the Edmonds brothers both went in the first round. Yeah. There's still talent coming through the doors at tech. This was a light year and we yeah. knew it was going to be a light year. Um, but yeah, I, I would assume that we will get back on top of that more often than not uh, going forward. And that's why you're seeing the roster turnover that we have is because we're trying to, to turn over these rooms. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, it's, I mean, there's other, all schools have their ebbs and flows of years. It just so happens where Virginia tech is right now. When, um, when we have a down year, it's, it's pretty down at least in terms of the drafts, but it'll pick back up. Um, especially moving forward. I think there is, there's a lot of talent you and I have talked about that I think has NFL potential in the future, assuming that they continue to get, you know, good coaching, the development and, and moving forward. I think um, there's, there's more to come, I think on, on that front. Absolutely, dude. So let's move to the recruiting because we did pick up a commitment last week from three-star defensive lineman, Emmett Laws, six, two on rival six foot on two, four, seven, kind of a big discrepancy there. I I'm, I'm under the impression he's on the shorter side. He's, I guess, a defensive tackle. He's 260, 265, six foot. I mean, he's a he's a bowling ball. Like this, this yes. it's a big kid. Uh, but he had a Penn State offer, a Pitt offer, Georgia Tech, BC. People have talked about this online, but like if you're getting a Pitt defensive lineman offer, I'll take it because they've done a really good job of bringing in guys that might not be four stars or high end guys at all, and then getting them drafted. So I, I like the pickup of laws. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with that. And uh, it is in a position that I think is definitely um, probably defensive end. We, you and I have talked about uh, way, way more, but definitely somewhere that um, we could use uh, somebody of, of his, I'd love to know his real height, but it's gotta be, it's gotta be on the lower end, like you said, but um, yeah, definitely a bowling ball of a guy and uh, Pitt 
we can hate them uh, as much as we want, but they've done an excellent job on that side of the ball, especially in the trenches. Yeah, they they really have. And it was interesting too. This kid's Dematha, right? And so Mm -hmm. this is instant uh, Brooks payoff potentially. I know JC's been in there, but when you have a Penn State offer and even a pit offer, which at this point on that position, I think was probably more highly thought of if you're a recruiter or a coach in that position, this might've pushed it over the top, right? Yep. Getting, getting a guy that he can know and trust uh, from DeMatha bloodline. Like that's, it's already paid dividends. I would assume that Brooks had something to do with this. So that's a nice pickup for us. Men's basketball. Before we get to the attrition, one thing about basketball, we got another transfer, Robbie Biron, Biron, he committed to Virginia Tech from Northwestern. He's already played a ton of basketball. He's played 120 games for them. Six foot nine, big guy. Not a ton of points or rebounds, just seven and a half and four and a half in those, in those two stats, but he's a defensive stalwart. And he's someone that will contribute, is a veteran. And getting these big guys in your program at this stage in the game isn't easy. So I think this was a really valuable pickup by Mike Young. And, and a nice time for it as well. Uh, after the coaching changes uh, that we had, I think it's uh, nice to see that come in. And um, defense is uh, definitely something that we needed at least some depth in, I think, uh, on for yeah. uh, for the Hokies. I'm not sure that we're completely done with the portal basketball-wise, but uh, with Nickel, him, and Makai Long coming in, it's a nice little trio of guys that they brought back to tech this year. So we'll, uh, we'll be competitive. I, I, but let, let's not dive too much into basketball. Let's get to these portal entries before we have our guest on tonight. And I, maybe I didn't say it off the top, but we are having a guest on. It's in the title. Um, uh, Arash Tafakor, who is the owner proprietor of downtown crown and dominion wine and beer is going to be joining us in just a couple minutes here. To just talk about the beer business. We're both beer guys and uh, I'm interested to get his thoughts on a variety of topics, but He's been kind enough to sponsor the podcast, so we wanted to get him on here to to give us some knowledge of the beer business. And in the background on on our feed is uh, his the fridges in his store. I kind of kind of got that back <laughs> to give you the vibe of what it's like over at Dominion Wine and Beer. Uh, but portal entries, Rob. There's been a bunch since the spring game, and we knew that some were coming. We even talked about potential on the last podcast. But I'll go through the names, and then we'll kind of discuss how it impacts the team. Taj Bullock, quarterback. Devin Farrell, quarterback. The wide receiving room, we lost Dallin Wright and Christian Moss. Uh, safety, Jalen Hoyle is now gone. Kyrie Moyston at defensive end. Cam Johnson and Elijah Howard, both at corner, are also gone. So that is – that's eight guys since yeah. since the spring game ended. That's, that's a number of guys, and I think we are down to 82 scholarships now, barring any portal additions, which I'm hoping that there are going to be some. Yeah. Pretty, pretty crazy. Well, I guess probably everybody's going to latch on a little bit to the quarterbacks. Not all that surprising. I was, I was a little surprised that there was two of them, especially that close together. But I, you know, I think you and I were talking about one, potentially two uh, of those guys. And I think we probably had the names right. Uh, and who are doing, uh, especially Farrell. So not that was all the that pop surprising. Watson effect, right? I yeah, mean, it's got to be. People and, saw him light it up a little bit, even though it wasn't many plays. And we did talk about Farrell being the lowest on the totem pole. I wasn't necessarily thinking Taj would go just yet. Yeah. But getting playing time with a guy like Drones his same year in the yep. in the program was going to be challenging. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and then Cam Johnson uh, was a little bit surprising. Um, that's somebody that probably was going to see the field um, and uh, a good amount. So that one kind of stings. Uh, so that that's probably the one that shocked me the most, I think, out of all of them. Kind of stung. I don't know what your thoughts were. Well, with Cam, yeah, he was our fourth corner. And, yeah. that's, and he was only fourth because we brought in canteen he would have been maybe the third or he was going to be in the two deep at one of those corner spots and elijah howard you might have been saying the same thing we said those are probably the next two guys up after the top three but that was an age thing because cotman came in and he looked good and so maybe that scared off cam johnson and also johnson's still light i mean he was like 170 pounds or less and so he he wasn't putting on weight. I know it's only been a year and a half since he's been in the program, but nevertheless, we got five, I think DBs or corners coming in yeah. and they might've seen the writing on the wall that I, Hey, I'm not going to play this year because they got three veterans. And then next mm-hmm. year I got to deal with all these freshmen that are coming in. I'm out of here. Yeah. It, it still surprised me because he was going to be in the two deep. He was going to play. And uh, now, and now we're thin. I mean, Yes, I like the potential of Cotman. Most Phillips coming in at safety, good potential there too. But behind Strong, Canteen, and Delaney, it's it's freshmen. Like, yeah. it's all freshmen. Yeah, I just don't – I don't know. That just seems so counter to just the competitive spirit. It should be like, you know, one, he should be fighting for starting time, even with those guys, right? Even like, you know, this year, I mean, there's still plenty of time before the season starts. N- never mind the fact you shouldn't be looking ahead to the season after who you're going to be competing with. So I-, I I wonder if there might've been more at play, or as you said, he wasn't putting on weight and the coaches just came to him and said, Hey, you know, it might not pan out for you. Um, yeah. And- it, it's, there's no way to really know like whose decision yeah. it was at the end of the day. Cause the coaches, Price still has that power mm-hmm. to basically throw a kid off scholarship. Uh, I should say not use his scholarship for the team. They would still keep their scholarship. Right. Uh, but who knows? I, I, I would assume it was Cam Johnson's decision, but I do not know. Uh, at defensive end, we're losing Moiston. He, he, he was only here for a minute, just like some of these other guys. But like we are – so low with defensive ends like that losing another body is not something I wanted to see because uh, we're, we're already thin there and, and we've talked that to death. Yeah. Christian Moss. I was surprised by that one because yeah. he, there was that spring hype. I don't know if it would have panned out because we didn't get to even see him in the spring game, but I wanted to find out if it was real and there's just too many wide receivers. I mean, Dallin, Wright, That was an easy one to predict, but yeah. Christian Moss was not. It, it comes back to what you and I talked about and what you're hearing from the spring. Uh, one, a lot of times it doesn't matter. Uh, and in, in the sense that it doesn't come to fruition or we don't see it on the field. We saw it last year and some of the people that we heard about uh, before the season started. And, and two, it may not even come to the fruition because the person can transfer now. And it's like, you wouldn't even know uh, and, and get to see what they're, what they're capable of. So, uh, that, that one was also a bit shocking and, and, and definitely sucks. So, um, but we also in that, I guess in that same, you know, line of thing, we need, we need the roster spots. I mean, I know we have a little bit of a buffer now, but 
uh, those spots had to open up somewhere and, um, yeah, we'll have to see uh, if they were the right places or the wrong places in the long right. run. Right, it's it's the nature of of turnover. If we want to go get an offensive lineman in the portal, and we're all hoping the kid from App State comes to Tech, you need an open spot for him. If you want to go grab a new defensive end, well, you might have to say goodbye to another defensive end. It it just it depends because all of these coaches, all these position coaches, they have preferences. And they have a they have a certain dimension of athlete. They have a certain attitude of athlete that they want to coach. And maybe the guys that are filling that room are not what they want, even if they are could be good players somewhere else. And so that's we're seeing that flip. And it's it's not a Colorado level of flip. Uh, <laughs> like what's going on there with you know sixty yeah. guys leaving this year? But it it's things are turning over. I mean, we we've brought in a lot of new guys in this recruiting class and in the portal. Uh, in a very short period of time. Before we get to our guest, uh, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor. The Two Deep Hokies Under the Influence podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy app that allows you to make plays with our very own Hokies players. So come this fall, you'll be able to get some action on Allie Jennings' receptions, on Malachi and Bryce Duke's yards, our quarterbacks' touchdowns and yards. Uh, but in the meantime, you can make plays on NBA playoffs. My, my Sixers got a huge win without Joel Embiid last night. I was so jacked up about that. You can bet on MLB, golf, playoff hockey. It's lots of opportunities to get money in your pocket. So download the Prize Picks app today and use code Memory Lane for a deposit match up to $100. That's Memory Lane, all one word, for a deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy made easy. And now let's. Add Arash to the stream. Yo, what's hey up, buddy? Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. We are welcoming in Arash Tafakor, the owner, co-owner, proprietor of Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer, our beloved sponsor these past two seasons. Arash, thanks for coming on with us, buddy. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me, as always. Yeah. And congrats on um, all that you guys have done. You know, you guys are doing a great job, and I'm really proud of you guys. <laughs> thanks thanks yeah you i mean you were uh you got in on the ground floor <laughs> we still might be there but that's okay you were yeah there too. <laughs> we're still on the ground floor so it's, uh, it's perfect but you yeah. but you can see hopefully you can see your store in the background of our feed here this is just a shot of the you got the fridges in the background at arash's uh, virginia location but we wanted to bend your ear a little bit just about the beer business in general you deal with it day in and day out and i guess i'll just start at the beginning how did you get into this business? Now, am I under, under the assumption your family had started this before? Yeah. So my dad, uh, you know, came to this country, I think, in 1969 from Iran. Uh, you know, he worked his way from being a taxi driver to a waiter to he had a pizza pizza shop uh, in D.C. And then he eventually bought a liquor store in D.C. And then from there, he made enough money to buy this wine and beer store in Montgomery County in Bethesda. Uh, and then at that time, I believe it was like 92, uh, you know, we were still going to school, but, you know, it was a, it was a part of our life because it's all, you know, in this country, it's just uh, my mom, my dad and my brother and I. So we don't really have much family. So it was a family business from there. You know, I worked uh, there during high school, um, you know, did some, uh, you know, be- trunk deals with the with guys <laughs> on the football team, you know, stuff like that. I remember selling 30 packs for 20 bucks. It was great. <laughs> Anyways. um so, uh, yeah, you know, after that, after high school, you know, went to JMU for a little bit, but always still, 
was go there during summer work, you know, I would work Sundays and, you know, just learn the business. Um, and then after I graduated, uh, you know, I think I tried to find some jobs, you know, I didn't really try that hard, but you know, every time I, I was pretty discouraged trying to find a job on my own. And I always thought, you know, I know this is what I know. I remember uh, doing a business plan on a brewery uh, back in 2001. And, um, you know, I, looking back, sometimes I wish I did follow through with that business plan because it would things would have been a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, I, I had it in me and I knew, you know, if my dad could do it, I could I could surely do it. So I started working there even more and I really learned the business like, uh, you know, from the you know, from what you do and then when you first get in till you close. And, uh, you know, I work a lot of hours there. Um, so I always was looking for another spot, uh, you know, our family was, and that's how we found downtown crown. And then, um, you know, I signed a lease there in 2012. Uh, it didn't get open till 2014 cause it was a brand new development. Uh, you know, it was a risky situation cause it wasn't even built yet, but I knew that, um, you know, the, my experience in my dad's store that craft beer was, uh, you know, about to boom and it already was kind of booming. Just not that many people knew about it. You know, at that those times, Dogfish was putting out new uh, new SKUs like you know every two to three weeks, and so was Sam Adams, and there was all these seasonals. So it was a lot of fun, and there was getting there was more and more SKUs coming, and then there was more breweries popping up. So I always knew there was going to be a, a, a boom there, and I thought to myself like you know obviously if I open it, people will come. But um, we love selling wine too, so it was like you know beer was easy for me because you know I think at the time I was twenty eight years old. Um, by the time we opened, I was 31, I believe. But anyways, uh, when, when we opened it, beer was easy for me because, you know, that's, I was the target market. Uh, you know, I, I was, I learned it all in my twenties and then, um, you know, we knew we could bring in people with beer and then the wine, we would try to bring them in and sell wine. But what really set us apart at downtown crown, um, and now dominion is the on-premise access, uh, uh excuse me, the on-premise concept where you can have a beer, uh, and shop or have a glass of wine and shop. So it's a, it, they're pretty dynamic businesses, as you know. And, um, you know, that, that's something that I saw, like, you know, remember Whole Foods back in the day had the bar in there. People would yeah. go to Whole Foods, oh, have a drink. Well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the, the Fair Lakes one, right? I was talking about that the other day. Do you remember that, Robbie, the Fair Lakes one? Yeah. And I used to go to the Vienna one all the time because it was like, it was the only uh, bar in Vienna that had craft beer. <laughs> That, uh, I remember that else, yeah. nothing else really had any good craft beer. I guess like they would have maybe Goose Island at Vienna Inn, but that that was really it. So it was like yeah, you know, me and the me yeah. and the other guys in town would like go to Whole Foods. Right. So you know, I, there was a couple places in Montgomery County that were doing that. That uh, you know had this license where you could sell on and off. Um, and uh, they were they were much smaller. So I was like, if we bring this concept into a big space, have big retail beer, have a lot of shelves for wine and you know, have a really nice bar with tall ceilings, you know, it just worked out really well. And as you know, at Dominion, we actually opened up that at the same time with my brother at the same time as downtown crown opened in 2014. That was just a store for about five years. And then we had the opportunity to uh, lease the ups two upstairs floors. And obviously we wanted to do a, um, you know, an on-premise concept as well there with the, with the kitchen. And so I, I did want to touch on that wine and beer thing because you don't, you guys don't sell liquor and it's a different license, different regulations and all that kind of stuff. Was there, and in Virginia liquor has their own stores. Was there a, a particular reason you did that? Or did you just not want to get into the liquor game is because you knew beer better or what? There's a, there's a couple answers to that. Um, obviously we knew we, 
we knew what we know. We know what we know, right? We know that we could sell beer and wine in the in the in Montgomery County, uh, and the way Maryland is set up, um, and Montgomery County is set up a completely different way than the rest of the state. But the way Maryland as a whole state is set up is you can only have one uh, alcohol uh, off premise license per corporation. So any giant in the state of Maryland can technically only sell beer and wine in one location. Okay. So if we put ourselves next to a really busy grocery store that doesn't sell beer and wine, um, then, you know, people have no choice, but to go to that beer and wine store. That being said, Montgomery County is also a uh, controlled county where it's the most controlled county in the whole country. Uh, I think it's, you know, more control with liquor than alcohol and liquor than Canada and Russia. I mean, it's, it's really very controlled. It's a pure monopoly. But that being said, like, that's why, you know, it was advantageous to do it, do that beer and wine concept in Montgomery County next to, you know, downtown crowns right next to a Harris Teeter that is really centrally located, very convenient, has tons of parking, so that was one of the main reasons. Um, the second reason is like, you know, growing up with my dad and <laughs> him coming home after working 10 hour shifts, uh, you know, open to close off Blandersburg Road, like in the in what he, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> it wasn't the best neighborhood where he had a two, pu- two inch bulletproof glass in front of him and, you know, actually sold the business when it was doing great. Um, you know, wasn't very appealing, you know, when his security guard, he did sell shot, liquor and you you're know? saying it opened yeah, him it, up to robbing robberies. Oh yeah. Like it was that. robberies, um, shootings. Uh, you know, when you go, when I went in there, there was like a bullet, bullet hole, a bullet hole, in the, uh, you know, bulletproof glass. Like, you know, you have the spin thing, like, you know, you can't, it was dangerous. And, um, you know, it wasn't that glamorous. It wasn't about glamour. It was always about making money. But he always told, you know, instilled that into us that, that it's just not worth it uh, mm-hmm. over there in D.C. So, um, you know, I, looking back on it, uh, you know, Montgomery County is, uh, you know, obviously we, we cracked the code in uh, downtown Crown. But Montgomery County is the worst county to do business in. Uh, it's very, very difficult because we not only don't we have uh we can't sell liquor there the rest of the state of maryland you can have you can have my license and sell liquor right um but montgomery county you cannot and then also we have to buy all our beer and wine from the county uh warehouse so a salesman will come up to us and try to sell us a wine we have to if we order that we have to order through the montgomery county alcohol beverage services so looking back on it like sometimes i do think like you know the play would have been to open a liquor store along the border of Montgomery County because those liquor stores absolutely kill it in Frederick and Howard County and DC mm-hmm. because nobody wants to buy their beer, wine, liquor and MoCo really because of the, the way the system is. That's, That's crazy. Cause I yeah. worked in, um, I worked in Chevy chase and I remember coming, I'd come out of work and go through a whole foods and they would not, they don't sell any beer or wine at that whole food. So I'd get it on the way home. But I remember I would go to places around there and I would ask them, like, you know, can you guys get this? And they would always, you know, and I would travel, go into Bethesda and other places. And they're like, yeah, we got to we got to get in touch with, like, the warehouse. And I was like, what warehouse is this? And they're like, yeah, it's a, yeah we got to get in touch with the warehouse. You don't know the warehouse? And I was like, what is it? They're like, yeah, Montgomery County controls, like, the warehouse that has all of, like, the distribution to everybody. Like, yeah, oh, it's, uh, 
crazy. It's gotten worse over the years. Uh, and also the, 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 my main issue is, um, you know, we pay 30% more. So you see in that background that, uh, you know, the fighting Hokies from Hardywood, mm-hmm. uh, they'll, they'll, the distributor will sell that to the County at, let's just say 10 bucks, um, 10 bucks a six pack. And then the County would turn around and sell it to me for $13 a six pack. Wow. So you could just see like, you know, on a product that, you know, the, the wholesale price isn't that much. 30% is quite significant. You know what I mean? Because that at Dominion is twelve ninety nine, and then at downtown crown is fifteen ninety nine, and people aren't stupid. They know, you know? So yeah, um, yeah that, that, that should answer your question. Who's easier to deal with Virginia or Maryland, but, but you answered my question there. <laughs> it yeah, seems it's, it's, not even, it's not even close. Virginia's great. The thing about Virginia is we know that the state sells liquor, right? We know that, you know, everything, you know, all the, there's a lot of fixed variables in Virginia. We know the price. We know the competition is going to get the same price. We know that, you know, the liquor stores sell liquor. And then from there on, it's a level playing field and, you know, may the best business win. You know what I mean? That's what I really like about it. And, you know, um, and in Virginia, believe it or not, it's a, it's a it's called a franchise state when it comes to distribution of wine and beer. Uh, it's a little complicated, but for some reason, Virginia, through the way they are set up, it really has the best wholesale prices for um, wine in the country. It's it's and the access that we have to some of the best wines in the world uh, are, are, is really is really good. So. And you're I not really even talking Virginia. about Virginia wines, right? Like you're talking about just wines everywhere. Yeah, Virginia wines is funny because like all the good Virginia wineries, like they just sell them at their wine wine stores. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, sorry, at their at their wineries. So right, right. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm talking about like you know Burgundies, uh, you know, uh, really good Bordeaux, really good California stuff. You know, they'll they'll find they'll the 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 wineries will find a way to sell them to Virginia. Um, That's awesome. It's just That's a really good market awesome, for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get to the beer question because this is the stuff I think our listeners would be really interested in. And the biggest thing for me when I walk into your store, I'm always blown away by the selection, uh, particularly at the down at the Dominion location because it is in Virginia and you tend to have more Virginia beers in there. But how do you even begin in this day and age of beer to pick your inventory? Is it sales reps? Is it your employees that have an expertise? Is it you and your taste? How do you go about that? So, uh, you know, I really need to give a shout out to our general manager, uh, David Burks. Um, he has become like a really good friend of mine. And uh, we talk almost every day about the business and like the state of our uh, businesses and, our, and the way the market's going. Um, and again, Virginia, you deal with certain distributors. Um, so right now at Dominion, uh, we deal with the distributors that sell like the you know, the mill light, the big stuff, uh, all the way to a distributor that only sells to like a few customers because they get these, uh, you know, breweries that have, you know, given like 50, 60 cases, but they know those 50, 60 cases can go to these, you know, 10 locations and they're done with it. So we're, we're lucky that we have really good, um, uh, relationships with these smaller distributors that do get us the stuff that really moves out of dominion. But also we buy from the big guys that have the Hardywood, that have the, um, you know, like the, I would say like a Fairwinds or a Solace, uh, you know, or the New Belgium. You know what I mean? They, there's, there's distributors that have everything and you just got to see what sells. Uh, the thing is that you, we want to sell to everybody. Um, every part of the market is important. Uh, we obviously sell more of the super craft beer stuff than the macro stuff. 
but we still would try to get those macro customers. So the macro customers these days are like the Sierra Nevada people, uh, you know, the um, Fairwinds people. So, you know, the Solace and, you know, the Athlon and stuff like that. So it's, the market's changed, but um, we really rely on our uh, partners and distribution. Uh, and then when they get a new brewery, we'll always try it out. You know what I mean? We'll see how the market reacts to it, how people buy it, how it's received. And uh, in Virginia, untapped is kind of a big deal. Um, for whatever reason, people rate beer and, uh, you know, when a distributor is introducing a new brewery, uh, we can really tell, you know, what people think based on untapped. So it's like, okay, well, they get pretty good ratings. So, you know, let's give it a shot. And so there's, there's a lot of uh, ways that we, we pick. Uh, and I'm sure that's a very complicated, it's a, it's a complicated question. Uh, I was, I wanted the overview and, and you did a yeah. good job of it. And when you say macro, you're talking about your bigger breweries, your Sam Adams, your dogfish, your, your Sierra Nevada, you sell right. particularly at dominion. I mean, the amount of, it's a lot of breweries not living down there full time that I haven't even heard of. Of course I know the heavy hitters, but like of like of the craft world, but you're right. It's a lot of, smaller micro nano breweries that come into your place. And that just seems to me like you got to be doing the market research to find that stuff. Yes. But uh, we really do rely on two specific small distributors that go out and get those beer, make, make the relationships. But it's also, we, if we find a brewery that we want, we'll introduce them to that distributor. But I got to be honest, they're doing a lot of the hard, they're doing a lot of the work and like, they're just like us. They're like, Hey, we're going to, we brought this brewery in. Let's find out how, how it does. Like, you know, it's almost like really just like, uh, you know, throw darts uh, sometimes, you know, because there's so many different breweries out there. And uh, if one doesn't sell, like, you know, there's, there's so much good beer, like onto the next, you know yeah. what I mean? It's almost yeah. like gotten pretty bad with, um, you know, saying no to things because, you know, we use, it's funny because, um, my, our guy Dave and I, you know, talk about this, like, uh, like, and especially with his job is picking the breweries and stuff like, and, you know, our inventory. Um, we used to care when we wouldn't get like a specific brewery or like a, like a specific beer for a brewery. Like, you know, for instance, like, let's just say, for example, Goose Island, Bourbon County Stout, like, you know, that was so hard yeah. to get like back in the day. And, uh, you know, we used to like, you know, be upset if we only got like three cases and someone else got five cases. Now, if they don't give it to us, like, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter because like, like you know this brewery from you know you know burial is making this like a stout that's like 50 times better anyway so it's just you know the market the market has changed in that aspect but dave does a really really good job of picking inventory along with the communication he has with our distributors question about that so it's funny pete and i have talked about this on the podcast a bunch which is talking about sam adams and goose back when they were the microbrew kind of like the scene when it was like, man, they're putting out like Oktoberfest and they got the summer and that kind of stuff. And then they became the Budweiser of, of craft beer. And then now, I mean, I remember, you know, getting partly cloudy was like awesome. And then now solace is like huge. Like solace is like kind of moved up into that spot. How, how does it evolve like that? Where the, you know, the small guys then become the big guys. And then, you know, like what's going to happen to them? Like at some point, doesn't it get saturated? Like, and then does the mid tier just get stuck there at some point or is it always just the tastes are changing? The breweries are. That's a, that's a good question. And what I'm about to say might be a surprise. Um, so this market that we're in right now, you guys know back in 2020 and 2021, like it didn't matter. It was like a, 
a hot brewery, you could sell like 500 cases, like, you know, especially during COVID, like it was crazy, right? Uh, people were doing drops, like we would sell 50 cases of literally one beer, you know what I mean? That doesn't happen anymore, right? So people are buying, still buying beer and they're still buying, the, the pie is still there. The pie is just in many different slices now. Everyone's buying different thing, little bit of each little category, whether it be like, you know, craft, uh, you know, super, super crafty or, you know, uh, a brewery on like Solace's side or Sam Adams or Dogfish. But the thing about the Sam Adams, the Dogfish, uh, even the Solace where they're at, um, they believe it or not, we're selling more of that, you know, those kinds of products than we ever have been before. Okay. Not many people can drop $20, $24 or want to drop 20 to $24 on a four pack. Right. But when now, you, you know, you get like a new Belgian, like for instance, like they're, you know, they're hazy series or whatever it is. And even the like Voodoo Sam Adams, yeah, the Voodoo Ranger series, mm-hmm. even like the Sam Adams little hazy, uh, sorry, uh, Sierra Nevada little hazy thing or hazy thing. And like those series uh, of beers that they've made are cranking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Partly cloudy is cranking. You know what I mean? So it, it's it, again, the market has changed in terms of price points. Um, and people aren't going to buy a small brewery they've never heard of that might have not the best ratings at $22 a four pack. They just might not, they're not, they're not doing that as much. You know what I mean? And I speak to that personally. Like it used to be, you'd go to tired hands in Pennsylvania, big, big brewery would make the milkshake IPAs. You drop 20, sometimes $24 on a four. And you would do it because it was rare. You'd wait in line. You do all this stuff. Now you go to the store. If it's if it's a four pack and it's over fifteen dollars, like I'm moving on. Like I'm not right. even doing it because there are just as good beers under right. that fifteen dollars, and not everyone wants. Particularly me, as I get a little bit older here, I don't always want a nine percent IPA. Like I no, want I... the sick. I want the hazy little things. I just put on our Twitter page this week on Too Deep. What is the best hazy IPA under seven percent? Like, and I was trying to go for mass produce things that everyone can get. And it was Hazy Little Thing, Mind Haze. There's a couple others, and you know the the poll ended up with Hazy Little Thing because it's a good beer. It's inexpensive. It's, so you always know you're going to get a good product with Sierra Nevada, and I think people are kind of going back to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, me. Yeah, yeah well, I went back. I did the full circle. Yeah, I mean, literally, you know. Uh, Two days on Monday, um, the Sierra Nevada rep was in there. This guy named Brad. He's he's like the chain chain uh, chain store reps. Uh, he's hilarious. Like he always has a tan because he's going to Costa Rica like all the time. We think we think he's uh, like he looks like Ken Grossman, the founder. We think like we don't know what's going on, but like, he's not a related. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he he looks exactly like him. So some, but he has and he has a, the best the best like brewery job you can get because he's the chain store. Uh, manager of the nation for Sierra Nevada. And um, he can, you know, he works remotely or whatever, but we were just telling him how big of a beast Sierra Nevada is for us at downtown crown and my father's store at Georgetown square in Bethesda. Uh, because again, we sell a lot more macro than uh, dominion does. It's just, it's just a beast. And that's just where, you know, the market is kind of going to, again, I think it's price point and accessibility and everyone's making really good quality beer. A lot I, of think, are, I think it's macro. one more thing is also, um, you would get burned sometimes on like that $20 four pack. So like yeah. when I, before I quit drinking, I had like gone full circle back to like, just like, I'm going to get a six pack of hazy little thing. Cause I know exactly what I'm getting. I know it's not like 
crazy hoppy, high alcohol content. It's just like a good beer because it's like I've gotten those four packs where I was like, oh, cool, new brewery, blah, blah, blah. I've got it, and I've been like, this sucks, and I just spent like yeah. 20 bucks on it. You know? so, yeah, yeah it absolutely. What used to complain to me, Arash, about the beer nerds, and they'd call up your store, and they'd be like asking you, can you get this Three Floyds beer from the middle of Indiana? Can you get you know this beer from Minnesota? Can And you'd be like, no, dude, just come in and see what we have, or whatever. Are you getting less of those beer nerd calls and requests these days? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it was always – it wasn't really the beer nerds. It was always like uh, – it, it was just customers in general. They, you know, they were like my son-in-law's like uh, town that he grew up in is just brewery. Can you get it? It's like, no, (laughs) you know, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't send that, you know, they're too small or, you know, we would always get like, Oh, you know, do you have this beer called piney the elder? I'm like, no, I wish like, you know, Um, to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the, the, you know, especially the people that are really into beer, much more educated on what they can get and what they can't get. And like, you know, the whole market and like, um, in terms of, you know, supply and the demand of it, you know, and there's a lot of online sales now that breweries do want to send beer across country. They are. Um, so yeah, not as much obviously, but I think that the consumer is much more educated on that. So you were talking and we were all, were talking a little bit about the hazies. They're obviously a huge segment for any craft beer lover. Most people who love craft beer, love IPAs, and in particular, love a New England-style hazy IPA. What trends are you seeing? Is that hazy trend still at peak power, uh, the pumpkin thing that we saw for a number of years and still happens every year in September? Is that still as big as it used to be? And what other trends are there that, that you're seeing in the beer industry? So the, the beer industry and trends change monthly. Like, I, I'm not joking. It's uh, very hard to predict. Um but in general, when it comes to IPAs, just like we talked about, the hazy beers is at the under 7%, the 6.5% uh, hazies crush on tap uh, and package. Uh, those do really well. Uh, there has been an emergence of West Coast style IPAs, especially on tap. Those crush on tap because, you know, you get the 50-year-old craft beer drinker, um, you know, like, you know, about 10, 10 to 15 years older than us. Their, their first craft beer was West Coast. You know what I mean? Yeah. They tried the hazy thing the hazy the hazy beers and you know they probably did it for a year or two and they realized that they were gaining on gaining the pounds and you know maybe getting heartburn at this time at the point of their lives so they're back to the clear stuff you know they're back to the clear west coast seven percent you know um and then uh what was your other question what was the, the pumpkin thing oh the pumpkin thing so it's funny because 2021 was awesome for pumpkin we did you know we we predicted it uh we kind of went heavy we got them in August. Everyone complained, oh, it's so early for pumpkin. Well, this is when we're going to get it. And it's going to be out. The way we do it is we want to be out by, you know, the end of September. Like, we don't, we want it gone because the winter lager, the winter beers are going to come out, in, you know, September 15th. So mm-hmm. we want to get through that inventory. The brewery schedules uh, for all these pumpkin breweries, they, they, they start brewing that stuff in July. And they start bringing it out in August. So 2021, we did a really good job of uh, inventory and like buying the correct amount and moving in. And we bought a lot. 2022, we did the same thing, but, you know, it kind of dropped a little bit. But, you know, th- it's just hard to say. I do think pumpkin beer will always be important um, in my in my mind. It's a really good seasonal. It's a really good American seasonal. You know, it's Thanksgiving. It's it's fall. It's football. You know, it, it, it's just it's just cool. I love it. And like. You know, the original pumpkin beer in my eyes was the dogfish pumpkin. 
uh, if you ever see you saw me on Facebook, you'll see like, um, you know, my, my pictures of the dogfish pumpkin stacks, like, you know, because it what really was like one of the best seasonals, uh, you know, in, in, in craft beer's infancy. So, yes, it was down a little bit, but not as much as you would think. Um, and it'll it'll still there's still a part of uh, the beer market for that, really. But it is down a little bit. But I think a lot of things are down. We right need now. to talk about two segments in particular. One is ready to drink. Uh, cocktails and seltzers. And then I want to talk about the non-alcoholic segment because one half of this podcast has been reviewing a bunch of non-alcoholic beers this past year. But with regard to ready to drink and seltzers, you were saying that a lot of your sales are coming from all over the place now. Is that taking up a lot of percentage at this point? So seltzers for sure. Um, uh, yeah, like I, I hate to bring up Montgomery County again, but we're not allowed to sell uh, RTDs in our Montgomery County store. It kills me because it's still 5%, but since it's liquor-based, the county liquor stores oh. take that business. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Um, at Dominion, uh, we missed the mark a little bit on seltzers. They didn't, um, they didn't embrace seltzers at the right time uh, when it comes to that kind of customer. Uh, they were always into, you know, we were always into craft beer a little bit, you know, which is great. And it's, it's paying off still today, but we missed that segment. At Downtown Crown, however, we knew seltzers were going to be like the next thing. Uh, so we still have a large amount of our uh, retail floor space for seltzers, not RTDs, unfortunately. Um, I think if we sold high noon and all that stuff, man, you know, I would, it would be a lot, like sales would be much, much, and you know, much a, better in that segment. Yeah, for sure. That's a good differentiator because I'm not sure everyone knows the difference that right. high so, noon seems like it's seltzer, but it's not. Right. So I think uh, there's two parts of the RTD. Uh, segment the high noons which are liquor based seltzers and then the actual rtds like uh the crown royal like you know apple whiskey and then like you know like i think kettle one has them uh you know you you see them at bars and like even like there's nothing there, there's nothing different between those cans and the draft cocktails that you're getting at some bars these days that being said we can sell rtds at dominion uh they've struggled a little bit with them but what i'm seeing is those high noon those liquor based rtds that our seltzers are doing really well. And then the RT, the RTDs, which are the, the cocktail cans, um, I don't know too much, but from outside looking in, I don't think those are doing like really that well because there's so many. I don't know. Do you drink those uh, RTDs? I got to be honest. I do not. And I, right. I will drink a high noon here and there uh, if it's hot out if on the beach. But I am – I'm pretty much just a straight beer guy at this point. I'll have yeah. a white claw at a picnic or something, but no, the short answer is no. Yeah, yeah. My, what, my wife claw? has just gone. Uh, the tequila high noon um, is now a tequila based versus yes, vodka based. And um, right. I was there like four women that she was with each had it. And they were like, this is oh, my wife loves the they, high they, noon. they absolutely yeah. love the tequila based one. Like I was like, okay, I, I, I don't know. So, yeah, um, I think uh, you know the winners are the the, the high noons, the seltzers. Still, they're they're doing really well. Um, and yeah, and it's like, cut, again, Cutwater is another big company, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're doing really well as well because that's uh, you know it's they're easy drinking. They're liquor and they taste like you know a little bit of sugar, not too much, and you know people like that. How much non-alcoholic beer are you selling these days? Do you keep it in stock? What's what's your deal on non-alcoholic? Oh, yeah. So we, uh, Downtown Crown, uh, we really take pride on our non-alcoholic section. Uh, we have all the good German ones, all the good, uh, you know, um, macro ones. Um, and it's, uh, I never would have thought 
that we would have a little bit of a cold section for non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> <laughs> and when people, you know, growing up, like, and working at my dad's store, um, you know, the, the really the older generation would come in and ask for a non-alcoholic beer. And they'd always ask for a cold. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't have, I can't dedicate <laughs> space to old duels. I'm just not right. going to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, and you know, it's funny, we don't sell, now that I think about it, we, we might, we have old duels sometimes, but old duels doesn't sell as much as like, you know, I guess like the athletic brewing crushes now, you know, that's a, that's a monster. Um, yeah. and then, you know, the Corona has an NA beer and then, you know, all the classic German ones, Beck's, Erdinger, um, Klostolliter. I mean, we do very well with them. Yeah. Like, Heineken, oh, Heineken. And like, you know, it, back to like our whole thing about, you know, why we're good at what we do is we really are obviously customer service friendly, you know, trying to get customers the best experience, but also we'll never, you know, um, not want to sell to what, what customers want. And if that's a trend and all these breweries are coming out with these cool non-alcoholic pocket packages, we're, we're, we're going to carry them. You know what I mean? Cause like we're going to give them a shot and yeah. we know, we knew the NA market kind of exploded as well in the past couple of years. And so is our floor space with it. You know, again, yeah. we have some cold. I never thought we would have cold in April. Yeah. yeah, it's it's changed. I mean, I I go to I'll go when I can't make it over to um to Dominion or make it over if I'm just running down the street. I'll go to um hit up Norms uh, real quick. You probably know them. They're in Vienna, and they kind of, they're asking me now like what do you like? Because I'm in there. I buy probably more NA beer than anybody that they have. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, is this one good? Is this one? And now, I mean, there was Guinness now, Guinness zero, which is awesome. But, um, it's, I remember the first time I had the Sam Adams, um, uh, just IPA, non-alcoholic, just, just non-alcoholic. Yeah. Just the haze. And I was like, Dude, this is gonna coming out of COVID with the spike in how much people were drinking. I was like, this stuff's gonna boom. I was like, if yeah. it can taste this good, I was like, and you know, I was get, getting sober at the time. Like, I was like, I can do it with this beer here. And then now you have like the uncool IPA. There's just a lot of good like craft um, non-alcoholics. And I was like, this is manageable because I love beer. Like fundamentally, yeah. I was like, this is at it ends with what I you know actually like is. Is like to drink and socially like to drink and now it's starting every year getting a little bit better so um, yeah for sure yeah if you if you follow us on downtown ground and we'll see what our new arrival um you'll see like uh any like new skew of the na beer there just I, i'll let you know if some cool german one comes because some of the german ones are delicious they're awesome um and, and they, like they, some of them are hard to get really yeah the europeans have been doing non-alcoholics forever i mean this is yeah. they it's it's just we were behind the curve here. on that yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Arash, do you still have like 10 more minutes? Yeah, for sure. I, okay. uh, because the reason I asked that, I want to start off, I want to take a short break from our conversation. I want to play a clip of when we did a live podcast at Arash's okay. store. And this is going to link back to when Hazy's were first bursting on the scene. This was, <laughs> I want to say, 2016, 2017. Yeah. And so oh, just, just we we were kind of having some fun with one of our friends, Richard, who was a Kentucky fan because we were playing Kentucky in basketball. So me and Rob went to downtown crown. We did a live pod. We had two friends from Kentucky, the Drake brothers, come on and talk about it. And Arash wanted to have some fun with our friend Richard at the uh, at the tail end of the pod. We're a little inebriated at this point. So They're all juice bombs. You don't, you don't like it? Like, no, it's I'm sick not... of you people <laughs> who are sitting here clogging up my 
choice of taps with your stupid hop shit and your stupid juice bombs and your stupid 600-calorie beers making me be 250 pounds. I don't need that shit. Here's what I need. I need a nice lager. I need a nice pilsner. I don't need two. Your By the way, you only have one of each. The, uh... He's all good. Yeah, you need to calm down. I can't, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. Can we get back to the place? The worst part is you go to Whole Foods now, and you're like, hey, I'd like a nice Pilsner. And the beer guy in the aisle is like, here, try this one. And it's full of fucking hops. Like, get the hell out of here, you nerdy beer guy. Hey, old man yelling at cloud. Stop yelling at the clouds, all right? Anyhow, okay, so this beer tastes like like a screwdriver. I guess that's good. Whatever. Okay, for those anyone that's listening, let me let me make something clear. Okay, Richard actually didn't go to Kentucky. Neither did Mike. Um, Mike did go to uh, Kentucky. Mike, well, Richard, <laughs> Mike to. Richard went to Virginia Tech. Okay, he also went to JMU. Okay, what this bozo doesn't know is he also went to Nova Community College. Yeah. What Nor this, the Virginia Community College. What this bozo doesn't know is I didn't actually pour bozo. him a New England IPA. I actually poured him a little bit of a little bit of old English and orange juice. So the joke well, is on you. That would explain why it tasted like the a joke is on you. Okay, that that's what you get for being such an old man hater. That's what you get, Richard. You get O E and orange juice. This is O E and orange juice. This is the best prank in that it doesn't invalidate anything I said, and uh, and it's wonderful. That's actually really great, Arash. I. Don't even know what to say. I- All right, that's enough of that. But, yeah, we had to. You played the prank. You poured him Old English and OJ. You called it the juice bomb, and so in he honor just of that, out. I I am drinking the Sloop juice bomb. Oh, nice! <laughs> that's a really good beer. <laughs> it's a it's a solid beer. It's a good hazy. It's not too strong. It's six point five, just like we were talking yeah. about. Right, um, right. But. That that clip like was so, and it, that was like hour and twenty minutes into that podcast recording. It was it was way too long, and we were just having fun at that point. But it was hilarious, and it probably did taste like some of the bad IPAs that are out there. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, it definitely looked like one. You know, it, it, it had that uh, orange glow, and um, you know, he did call. He was like, you know, this, this doesn't taste right, but tastes like a screwdriver. <laughs> Oh, well, your, screw your IPA, screw you guys. <laughs> before I get into some of the stuff that's coming up at your store, I wanted to address just the Bud Light controversy. We're not going to go into details of all the p- politics of it, but has it impacted the sales of one of the biggest brands in America uh, for you personally? And if so, what are people turning to? Are they just going to another Crispy Boy? Or are they going to other stuff? How's that gone for you guys? Uh, so for us specifically in you know Montgomery County and uh, where we sell it, it hasn't that hasn't changed one bit. Um, it probably has probably sold more. Uh, it's funny because we, you know, I, I think you know when I was texting, you I, I are was, in DC basically. Yeah, I I, I, I didn't even um, know about it, and then uh, you know some of the other reps were talking about it and uh, how it has affected some places. Uh, so for instance, like what I heard, which is like whatever, like, you know, the Eastern shore of Maryland, like people were just dropping Bud Light lines. And then what where people were getting were the, the local loggers, which the, the local loggers now you can get for um, literally the same price as a Bud Light keg uh, nowadays. Cause Bud Light's not cheap anymore either. It really isn't. The prices, the price of uh, ingredients has gone up. So when, you know, something like that happens and you're in a certain type, certain area, some certain demographic that, wasn't too pleased with Bud Light. Um, it's an easy sell for a salesman to be like, "Hey, you know, I, I'm from, I'm, from, I'm one of you. Like, 
get my, uh, you know, put my beer on tap, my light beer on tap. And, you know, you're going to make just as much money. And, you know, that for, but for us, it was no, no difference. But what I heard is that it did affect them pretty, pretty big in the um, certain, certain areas and certain demographics for sure. Yeah. You're, you're definitely not in the market that would be affected as much. It wouldn't seem no. based on, based we're, on we're the things the, I've read and, and other things like that. No, we're in the market where uh, no, no, uh, uh, no, Bad advertising. Sorry, what's a what's a what's a yeah. all like all good all yeah. PR is good PR whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's that's what that's kind of what our area is with that. If anything, like it's probably increased. I mean, but I haven't really uh, looked into it too much. So one thing that we always thought set your store apart was your staff, and you mentioned uh, your GM who who helps find the beers and everything. They seem knowledgeable, friendly every time we're in there. How did you as an owner? create that culture what goes into your hiring process do you have like a criteria that you stick to could you talk about that a little bit for us um you know it's 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 actually it's not rocket science you know um it, it, when you are uh, a leader or you want to be a leader you want to be you know i don't really like the term boss i don't really like the term they're my employees they're, you know we're all we're it's a team right and um yeah there needs to be a leader of a team a coach whatever it may be but we're all teammates we're all co-workers uh so if the leader and the coach is showing them how it's done and teaching them how it's done, you know, in terms of like, you know, creating a great customer service, you know, when the customer comes in greeting them saying, hi, how are you? Is there anything I help you with? And then once they need help, just going above and beyond and caring and, um, you know, just treat customers the way that if you walk into a small business, how you want to be treated. Um, and, and that goes, the way you do that is by just showing them uh, that's it. You know, what I mean, a small business is a community, uh, community thing. So, you know, treat the community really well and the community will be loyal. Uh, it's not easy. Um, you know, we go up against some major competition when it comes to uh, other retail stores like, you know, Total Wine, all the grocery stores and then other small businesses. So you really have to set yourself apart with customer service, customer experience and just treating people nicely and uh, helping them and being honest and fair prices. There does go. There is. There is a lot that goes into it, but it really is pretty simple. It's just treat customers well. The the food situation and the tap situation, particularly at Dominion, because um, correct me if I'm wrong, but Downtown Crown just they have some small bites, but you allow people to bring in food, correct? Yeah, uh, we don't have a kitchen there now. Yeah, but at, that has that's a great differentiator for you as well in terms of. Uh, people coming in for multiple reasons as you're talking about that helps differentiate you from the grocery stores and whatnot uh and right. and i would assume gives you a big advantage in that regard well uh, yeah i mean it's, it's part of the customer experience um you know like where else can you go get a meal and you know go downstairs and buy uh what you either drink upstairs whether it be a wine or beer you can go get it downstairs or you know you can try you know 24 different beers you can try 15, 16 different wines and then uh, you know, again, it'll be available at a really good fair price downstairs. Um, and you can talk to the uh, staff upstairs. You can talk to the staff downstairs about the product. You know, they're all pretty uh, well-versed in that. Um, we also do, you know, really cool festivals. Uh, like we have a Rosé Festival coming up this Saturday at Dominion. That I, I love doing those things because you, you have uh, two time time periods where people can come. You come 12 to 2 or 2 to 4. You taste 30 different Rosés. Uh, for 15 bucks. I mean, I love wine and, you know, that sounds great to me. And, you know, obviously, women know that as well. Uh, you could try all these 2022 vintage rosés and see which ones you like. But right afterwards, you can go 
get get brunch, <laughs> you know, in the same spot. So, um, you know, that's 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 part of it. It's, it's dynamic. Uh, you know, it does set us apart. Um, there are competitors that uh, I'm not sure why they don't do that. Um, they're stuck in their old ways or whatever. Yeah, you guys have done a lot of different initiatives. You you've got the taps. You've got crowlers a couple years back. Uh, you've done beer collaborations where you basically, I don't know if you'd call it brewing your own beer, but you were in on brewing a beer with some breweries like Other Half. I know you did the all DMV everything with them. Really yeah. cool initiative. And you talk about the festivals. Is there anything else that you guys are doing? I mean, you seem to be always pushing the envelope. You keep extending your outdoor space at Dominion as well. It's it, Every time I go, I feel like there's something new. Well, uh, the thing is, it goes back to, you know, um, and I'm always working. I work a lot. Uh, I want to say I work a hard, but we always want to be the best. Uh, cause again, there's a lot of competition. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, owning a small business, you kind of have, there's, for me, there's always a fear that, um, you know, at any point it could it end. You know what I mean? Like, you just never know the market. Like, having, you know, if we were in a different kind of business during the pandemic, you know, what would have happened, right? So think about how many people had small businesses during the pandemic that were closed. We were one of the lucky ones that we're almost, you know, we're essential. So we always have that fear that, you know, um, you know, this might, this might, this has a finite amount of time. So we're always working to do new stuff. You know, obviously we have some, uh, you know, collabs on the way, you know, one, one of the collabs that's going to come soon to Dominion down, 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 is Equilibrium. They've been, they've, you know, they have a really good knowledge of hazies, but good hazies. And we got a really good one coming. That's actually right in the wheelhouse. It's six and a half, seven percent, man. It's going to be, it's going to be delicious. Their pricing has really come down in the past few years and it's really good. Um, other than that, we are continuing to work on the restaurant side of things. Uh, we do have um, a, something new coming up. I really can't talk about it at this, at this point, mm -hmm. but what in general, this new thing is going to do for us is it's, it's, it's going to, activate uh, uh all concepts so not only can you get retail wine and beer you can get the, the um you know go to the restaurant you can go outside but this new concept will really meld with that you know what i mean so it'll still be all it's still going to be a dynamic business but all is one and it'll go well with our retail presence our restaurant pre presence our our festivals and you know we're just working as you know uh, as trying to Oh, do something else that I really, again, I can't talk about. I wish I could, um, mm -hmm. but they're all going to have this synergy together and it's going to be I awesome. was waiting I for the up. synergy word. I was waiting for it. <laughs> corporate word. It was coming. There it is. No, I'm but not that's, corporate though. That's, <laughs> yeah. I, I know, but that, that synergy, that collaboration, like you guys, but dude, you guys run your place so well. It, it's, it's honestly a, a well-oiled machine over there and uh, I can't wait to see what it is. But yeah, I, I, can, I can tell you off the air, but I just can't. <laughs> and and honestly, it it is a huge kudos what you guys did with the the restaurant as well. You know, if you went to, I mean, the chips are really stacked against you there. Like the restaurant business is very very hard. Like for like, so if you were to say like, hey, in years like we're thinking about doing a restaurant. My dad was in the restaurant business for 40, 45 years, almost his entire life, right? Like in it, you know, until he died. And it it'll grind you down. And you know, I probably would have been like, dude, it's really hard. But oh, the fact that I you know. guys did it and the food is so good. Um and I'm I mean that honestly. Like it is awesome. And the fact that you guys pulled it off so well, it's just 
it's an incredible kudos to you and everybody um, that that pulled it off because it's it's awesome. Yeah, and you get you get a main uh, beer company lunch with your lunch, which yeah. is you can't you can't get that just about anywhere else. So it's nope. that that's what I love about about Dominion and Downtown Crown. Obviously, we've recorded the podcast there. It's a beautiful place. So make sure you hit up both of those places uh, this fall, this summer, this spring, whatever. They're they're awesome, and uh, hopefully we'll be having a rush back on the podcast in the future and back as a sponsor in the future. But for now, thank you so much for coming on and talking a little bit about the beer business with us, man. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to uh, mention one thing. I don't know if you remember Robbie, uh, Pete's bachelor party in Tampa when mm-hmm. I, you know, oh, you Jesus. told me how good of a, how, no, how good of a, how, how you love Dominion. You come there all the time. And I always ask you, like, even when you told me you come, like, I'm like, are, are you sure, are you sure you really like it? Like, are you sure? Like, you know, <laughs> did you really like that sandwich? I know you did, but you were like, Rosh, like, stop asking me. Stop being hard on yourself. You're doing good. And, you know, I always appreciate that. But that but that goes back to what you said about the restaurant business. We really still are uh, not – we still don't – we're still not where we would like to be with the restaurant side of things because it is so hard. It does take – so many years to learn it and learn how to make be profitable. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Um, Turned to me and you were like, yeah, stop. Yeah. I I wouldn't have said, (laughs) I mean, stop doubting yourself. Yeah. Don't because, and I would have, I would have just said nothing. I don't like saying mean stuff to people. So like I would have just said nothing, but like, I like, I wouldn't say if I didn't mean it because I remember going in there with my wife the first time we sat down and I, I still, I told Pete about this and I said it on the podcast, like the first time that I got the, um, the dragon shrimp, uh-huh, and the dragon I shrimp, was like yes. kind of worried. And I said to my wife, I was kind of worried because it was like, it's kind of your, it's your place. So I was like, no, I've never ha- been to a place and ate somewhere where I was like, man, the food sucks. Like, what, what am I going to do? Like, <laughs> and then, so I like took my first bite and I was like, I was like, oh my god! I was like, this is awesome. And Nadine's like, well, what do you really? And I was like, no, I'm dead serious. And she like had it. She was like, this is incredible. So I was like, thank goodness, my life is so much better now because I don't have to. I'm like, I honestly like really love all this. Well, guys, well, guys, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. And I love the, uh, you know, um, we appreciate uh, was, you signing on from a hockey rink. Like Rosh yeah. is, he's a hockey player uh, in his spare time. He likes to do some adult league. Yeah. He's down. Uh, you can see behind him. He's, he's at the rink right now recording his whole thing from, are you at Kettler? Where are you? Yeah. I'm, it's Medstar now, but yeah, I'm at Kettler. Uh, I love hockey. Uh, it goes really well with what, what I do for a living. Yeah, <laughs> literally peer league. And, you know, maybe they wanted me to come tonight because they know I'm bringing beer. That's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> you need those victory beers. But, yes, dude, yeah, we won't keep you any longer. Thanks again for coming on, and we'll be talking yeah. to you. As All always, right. thanks, guys. Good seeing you, buddy. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye. Later. Rob, hang with me real quick, and we'll just say our goodbyes. That was awesome. That was a really fun interview with Arash. I mean, I could talk to him for another hour just about, like, all the different beers and, how, you know, let him let him talk crap about some places that he doesn't like and things like that but yeah that was awesome i mean it's it's fun for the listeners to hear but it's like um so i've spent my whole life like on the in business right in finance and like working with like a lot of mostly most of my career has been working with like ceos ceos of people with like companies that have been wildly successful and um uh i don't know if arash will listen to this after the fact but it's like Arash, he is such a good business person that it is wild and he doesn't even know it. Like he is so articulate. He is 
so focused. He works so hard, but he also works so smart in the way that he's kind of thinking forward on like what the trends are going to be. And um, I, like you said, I love just talking to him and like listening to him and learning from him. So it's, it's cool. And yeah, he, um, they, so he's knocked it out of the park and you're right. He doesn't know. <laughs> he's just, he, you know, he said he went to JMU for a couple of years, like that. And then I think maybe Nova community college or something like he is, he learned on the job and yeah. he learned from his father and now he's putting it to use and he's kicking butt and everything they do, particularly, I mean, both locations, they, they rarely have a misstep and he, and he owned up to the one. He's like, we didn't see the seltzer thing come in. Like yeah. we missed the boat on that. He's very honest. He knows when he's made a mistake and he's always worried about if, uh, if he's pushing the business forward, but yeah, it was a good interview. Like I said, we'll have him on again once we think of some some uh, additional questions to ask him. Like I said, we could we could have gone on and on, but that was fun. Yep. Anyway, I think that covers all the tech stuff too. We we basically got to everything before our break. I'm interested to see if we can pull uh, a lineman, a D lineman, an offensive lineman in the portal. I feel good about Everett uh, from mm-hmm. App State, but uh, that remains to be seen still. So we'll, we'll, I'm waiting for that commitment. I was hoping it was going to happen before we recorded, but we'll see. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, but it's, yeah, that would be nice. A little, the trenches are the focus. So let's, uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. That could make, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to make a difference between the win total, but mm. if, if you prevent one sack here, one sack there, because you get an offensive lineman in the portal, like that's important. It's really yep. important. Yep. Um, anyway, that'll do it for the podcast. You can find this podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcast, and sonsofsaturday.com. We'll have all the info for YouTube. We'll tweet it out. Uh, you can watch us sit behind these desks and talk to Arash if you want. <laughs> um, but yes, it was it was fun having him on, and hopefully you enjoyed the old clip as well. Hopefully you all could hear it pretty well. Yeah, uh, if, if people should check out the video because I was I didn't know you were going to play that, and I for, I completely forgot about that prank and that clip. Um, we were quite a few beers deep at the end of that podcast because we yes. had been there so long, and I forgot about that. So I I was laughing so hard I completely spaced on that. So funny. All right. Make sure you to review, rate, subscribe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And until next time, go Hokies.